0: I don't think that there's one link building tactic that works really, really well across every niche. Um, like if you're in the finance niche and you're trying to do guest blog posting, good luck. You better have a budget because they're going to ask you for hundreds of dollars every single guest post because that's finance. And that's what they do in that. Um, mommy bloggers, same thing. Like some of them get really expensive with that. So like I'm a big fan of testing different types um, and really seeing, and when I say testing different types, like I don't mean reaching out to 10 or 15 people and seeing if it works. And then if it doesn't say, nope, it's no good. I'm out of here. I'm talking about reaching out to like maybe two to 300 total targets.
1: That was my good buddy, Ron Stefansky talking about some crazy link building. And this is a rebroadcast episode. It was recorded way back, episode 39. So that was nearly six months ago. And it was such a popular episode, and I like Ron so much that I decided to uh, do this rebroadcast of it. And I'm, I'm sort of testing this a little bit. Um, number one, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to interview people and then publish those episodes on Mondays. So I'm not sure if that's effective or, or not as effective, but that's what I'm trying to do. Additionally, I'll be speaking at the Ezoic Pub Intelligence Conference put on by Ezoic and Google. And at this time, I'm mildly freaking out. So uh, full disclosure on that. But also, I, I realized that I need to sort of get ahead on the schedule, recording the podcast and rebroadcasting is a smart way for me to repurpose these outstanding episodes. So if you missed it the first time around, then you're in for a treat. At the time that we're recording this, Ron was on target to make about $200,000 with his portfolio of display ad sites. He has a couple like of affiliate sites as well, but we we primarily talk about, and Ron primarily makes money from display ad sites. And he actually did uh, get really close to 200K. I can't remember his end of year um, for 2019, his end of year profits, but it was pretty darn close if he didn't hit 200 it was in the 190s I believe and cool thing about Ron and one of the main reasons I was like man I gotta I gotta get this guy on my show he's been publishing income reports since he started online at the very beginning way in the beginning 2014 so I think like the fall of 2014 is when he started his blog one hour professor he well he didn't make any money at the beginning. No one makes any money at the beginning. You just uh, try to invest in some websites, maybe get some content. You're spending money on tools. And um, he just had faith. He kept pushing through, much like myself and basically any any of the uh, bloggers that you're following, they push through the hard parts. And that's what Ron did as well. So he's been documenting every single month since he started in 2014, which is super cool because you end up with a very clear picture of how hard it is to make good money online, and you got to stick with it. You have to push through those difficult times. And I, I don't have um, like his year over year and month over month, but but generally there was no hockey stick growth. This was a very long and sort of plotting situation where. He lost, I do happen to remember it was about fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars of expenses that first month. And he had some ups and some downs before he really like honed in on what he was good at. My name's Doug Cunnington and this is the Doug Show. We usually talk about affiliate marketing and SEO, a little project management, and productivity. I'm starting to talk to some uh, pretty cool folks in the personal finance space as well. So, if you're brand new to the show, please check out some of the success stories and other interviews out there. This episode is brought to you in part by Ezoic. Ezoic is an end to end platform for digital publishers that leverages the power of machine learning to scale decision making. Ezoic is a Google award-winning technology that everyone from niche website owners to major brands use to grow and monetize their websites. They're also a Google-certified publishing partner and the platform, Ezoic in general, leverages artificial intelligence. And we're talking about not like Skynet or anything that's gonna take over the world, but we're talking about the good kind of artificial intelligence, AI is what, what the kids call it these days, AI to help Provide more personalized experience to your visitors that will improve the on-page experience, including the session length, while optimizing revenue and monetization on a per-visitor basis. One of the things I've been super impressed with is the new tool called the Site Speed Accelerator. I have a pretty detailed YouTube video on it where I took Uh, One of my sites that was not well optimized at all. I didn't do anything to it. It was in horrible shape, (laughs) to be honest with you. So the Google page Insight score was 27 to 30. It sucked. It was in a really bad spot. And I clicked a couple buttons, beep, bop, boop, over on Ezoic site speed accelerator and was able to take that to a 98 to 99 roughly for that. This is the mobile score. All right, this is the mobile score for the Google PageSpeed Insight, which um, that is a little bit harder to achieve a high score, and it literally just took a couple of clicks of a button. Check out that video um, if you just you know search for SiteSpeed Accelerator Doug Cunnington, You should be able to find it. Or you know if you're listening to this, I expect you you probably subscribe to my YouTube channel already, which I definitely appreciate. So. If you are looking to you know, boost that score, have faster load times, you could check it out. There's a seven-day free trial. You don't have to enter your credit card information. You just need to create an account over on Ezoic, which takes like as long as it takes you to type in your name, email address, and a password along with your, your domain name, However, long it takes you to type that is how long it takes you to get started. And there's a couple configuration things, but it's fairly straightforward. And the Ezoic support team is fantastic. So if you have any trouble, you could just contact them. So thanks a lot to Ezoic. Before I send it over to the interview with Ron, I do want to point out a couple things. Number one, you should check out Ron's uh, website. It's uh, The One Hour Professor. You can check out those income reports that we talk about. So it's very inspiring. And if you're early in your journey or you haven't hit you know, where you want to be as far as revenue and income goes, then it can be very inspiring and it will help you understand that if you just keep at it, if you keep trying to improve over time and refine what you're doing, you should be able to pull through. Ron's just a regular dude. He and I have been chatting um, f- for almost two years now. And we've, we knew each other back in 2014, but we never really chatted too often, but we've been meeting fairly regularly, um, sort of like a mini mastermind group situation every couple weeks for the last almost two years. So check out his blog He's also doing a big push over on the YouTube side. This guy is actually a professor. So he he was teaching classes. I'm not sure if he's still teaching anything right now, but he was teaching like entrepreneurship and some business classes for uh, some time. So I tend to publish a whole lot of content. I am not as concerned with the production value. I'm a little bit sloppy. I mean, Many of my early videos were literally live streamed. So I didn't have to do any pre or post production and it looks sloppy as hell. I'll be honest with you. I do have a shitload of videos out there these days, but, um, it was a sloppy start. Ron is more of a perfectionist and he has a teaching background. His videos are better than mine. I know that he's, uh, you know, he's he's putting a little more time in the pre-production, the post-production, and he is actually a teacher. He actually knows how to teach people and has spent many, many hours doing it, lecturing and uh, telling people about whatever he teaches. I actually never ask him about that stuff. Maybe I should be a better friend. But anyway, check out his YouTube channel. He's making a big push over there. Subscribe to his channel, leave comments, let him know you think Doug's awesome. Let him know you wanna have uh, some videos of me on his channel. That way, you know, I can maybe ride his coattails a little bit. So anyway, Ron's doing a good job out there. And without further ado, let's send it to the interview with Ron Stefanski, the one hour professor. Welcome to uh, this episode. I'm, I'm sitting here with my good friend, Ron. Ron, how you doing today? Howdy, everyone. I am really good, Doug. How are you? Awesome. Doing really well. Funny enough, it was like 78 degrees. I talk about the weather all the time, apparently. It was like 78 degrees on like Sunday, and then it snowed three inches um, yesterday, Monday.
0: He had the same thing, actually, in Illinois. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we've had this crazy cold front. It's terrible outside right now. It's like 45 degrees. That's why it's so dark in here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Well, anyway, moving on from the weather, who knows when people are going to watch this, but Ron is um, from the one hour professor and Ron, for people that don't know who you are. Can you just give like a little intro?
0: Sure. So I have been in this whole thing, uh, this internet marketing area what it's probably been, I don't even know how many years it's been Doug. I think about six years now, I think Mm -hmm. about six years or so. Um, Background from that though, I had a Um, basically in corporate America, I went to a digital marketing manager role, um, worked at a startup. I mean, I was pretty corporate marketing, um, digital marketing specifically. Uh, I have a degree, my MBA in marketing as well. Um, so I was kind of like a corporate marketer and I, uh, had worked through that and then I ended up going as an uh, entrepreneur. And when I did that, it was a tough few years there. Uh, struggled through quite a bit, but ended up uh, kind of finding my, my area in, um, authority websites. I do some affiliate stuff, but kind of finding my niche there. And now I just own a portfolio of websites and I've just been growing my business, you know, year over year as much as I can.
1: Awesome. And for the people who, uh, maybe you're new to the channel or something like that, or new to the podcast, this is going to be broadcast in multiple areas, but um I did a, a short feature on Ron because Ron, you're making roughly like 15 to 16 plus thousand dollars per month. Um, and that's been consistent. And you have been documenting your journey since roughly the end of 2014. So you have like multiple years of of income reports where you critically look at, you know, how your business was doing. And that's why we're talking here. It really, like, I haven't seen like a long-term journey like that where someone has done such a good job documenting it. So kudos Pat Pat that.
0: Yeah, and Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. He was like a big inspiration for that, of course, like most people. Um, And I did it. And then now it's actually kind of weird. And I know we've talked about this on other calls and stuff, but it's kind of weird because um, you know, I'm getting to the point to where I'm making that income and it's, it's almost awkward to talk about. Uh, but in the beginning it wasn't like that. You know, it was easy to report, Hey, I'm making negative $200 a month. But then when it's like making him 15, $16,000 a month, it feels like you're gloating, which is uncomfortable, but it's like, I'm not gloating. I've been doing this forever. So yeah, I've, I, and I've told you this before, I've really documented it all at this point. Um, I do the income reports. Other people see them, you know, wh- when they're on the email list, they'll see them, that sort of thing. But, it actually has really helped me um, keep myself accountable, set goals every month, understand where my business is. Nothing ever falls off my radar because of those. So that's why I've continued to do them. But I've done them every single month with things that I've learned and insights just to help people along the way. So
1: Cool. And for people that are interested, I'll put a link in the description so you can check out some of the income reports and stuff like that. Now, before we um, go on to some of the tac- tactics and stuff like that, I mean, we're going to go deep. We actually have a bunch of questions from people people in the YouTube audience that submitted questions. So thanks everyone for that. But number one, um, you and I talk pretty often every couple of weeks, but I didn't even, I forgot that you got an MBA. I forgot you had one, you know, that's, yep. that's cool. And uh, I get to ask you a bunch of questions that I don't know. Um, Cause yeah. normally we're just, you know, shooting the shit a little bit. Yeah, here. Yeah. Usually so.
0: about the business stuff. So yeah, you'll probably learn, learn a few things. Yeah. I got my MBA and then I actually was um I was going for my doctorate. Uh my doctorate was going to be in higher education because I was just going to be a college professor full time. Um but then I kind of was like I got about I think it was about a year and a half. It was a 3 year program. I got a year and a half into it and then we had to like give advice to a local business and stuff. I actually felt really uncomfortable with that because I wasn't fully vet- like invested in the pro I was just getting it so I could be a college professor. I wasn't fully invested and I was like I want to be an uh, entrepreneur anyway, so I actually stopped uh my, my my you know getting my doctorate and I was like I'm just going to stop now and give this entrepreneur thing a full a full push. So, mm-hmm. some, there you go. Something you didn't know, probably. Cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. So you, and you, did you go straight from undergrad um, to oh, grad school? Yeah. and then? Okay, <laughs> I,
0: I went for to give you a little background. I went to community college cause I couldn't get into any colleges. So I wasn't like a great student. I wasn't um, high. I mean, I wasn't terrible. I had like a in high school, I think a 2.8 went to college. Um, first I went to community college to get my grade point up, got it up went to Western Michigan, go Broncos for three semesters, (laughs) got kicked out because I like lecture style learning, not for me. So if anyone's out there like, oh, I'm not smart, you are. Um, There's just certain (laughs) things that you learn in certain ways. I wasn't good with that. So got kicked out, ended up going to school online 100% to finish up my bachelor's. And then I was like, well, I got my bachelor's, but everyone has that. So now let me go and try to get my master's. And then I went to Benedictine University in Illinois. Um, That was like a hybrid program online, offline. So I did that. And then I was getting my doctorate and that was also a hybrid program, um, as well. So yeah, but it like I did go from my bachelor's straight to my master's. I think it probably like three or four months off there. Okay. Uh, and then my doctorate, my, I got my master's. I was like, that's it. But then I was like a few years later, I was like, well, maybe I should just get my doctorate because I was liking the college professor thing. So I was like, maybe I should do that. And then, like I said, I just, I stopped because I wanted to do this stuff. And luckily I did stop. It worked out. So,
1: right. And then you mentioned you were like, Hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, It's a struggle. Um, What were some of your early um, like ventures? Uh,
0: Well, I always – so my thing was I didn't – I still don't know how to code. And, I mean, you give me some HTML, I can kind of look at it, kind of understand what's going on if I'm looking at the page next to it. But I never understood how to code. I still don't. Um, I always focused – one thing is, it was big with me, is I always focused on websites, and I did that for one simple reason: the low startup cost. There was such a low startup cost, which is a huge benefit. If anyone's out there and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to invest money," or they're cheap, like I was, admittedly, um, it, it, you know, I had some money to invest, but I was just too scared to do it. When I was there, it was like I didn't want to invest it, so I just would work on it myself, and I'd put all the hours in. Um, but you can see those results, and websites have such a low startup cost that was a huge deal to me because it's like, who has? 10, 20, 30, you know, 50,000, 100,000 to franchise stuff. Some people do. I didn't. Um, So that was my biggest thing. But my early ventures, man, I created. I mean, because it's all website based, right? But I created so many different crappy websites. (laughs) Like like, this was not success. Like there's so many different things. I remember there was a one for uh, Dragon Naturally Speaking software. I made a, a website all around that because the commission I think was like, if you get a commission from an affiliate thing, it was like, I think it was like 60 bucks or 80, bucks. it was pretty high. So I was like, I was like, I could do that. And I spent all this time and money in YouTube and ads and everything that failed. Um, I mean, the amount of failures, Doug, they're insurmountable. I had, I had one, <laughs> I still remember it was pictures of babies in the womb.com. That was a website I made pictures of babies in the moon or, or in the womb was a high search volume, low competition. I was like, I could do this dumbest thing I ever did in my life. Like I did it for like, I think it was like a week and I was like, this is stupid. So yeah, there's no shortage of failures. We could spend the whole hour talking about failures if you wanted, but yeah, there's been a lot of those.
1: Maybe we could do that sometime because I have a handful also. It would be hard for me to even (laughs) think
0: of how many, like that's really, I would have to like, look at like the domains that I bought over time and be like, that was dumb. Oh yeah. I forgot. Like there's so many that I've had that I'm like, cause as an entrepreneur, shiny object syndrome, right? Yeah. And especially when you're in the beginning, because you're just trying to make anything work. So you're trying this, that, this, that. that. You don't know what's going to work. So I was totally everywhere, all over the place, trying
1: to make stuff work. So that's funny. I got to. I got to ask. How are you going to get the pictures? <laughs>
0: well. That, <laughs> So there's your problem. Uh, so actually, what it was because I had read somebody saying, basically, and this is totally not okay to do, but I was pretty young and new to it. They're like, if you just get the pictures and put them up on your website, you can put ads and make money. I was just taking the web, I mean, I was taking the pictures illegally, essentially, just going to Google, like, ooh, like a baby in the womb at two months. I'm going to get that. And then like, I started researching. I was like, well, this isn't okay. Like, this is actually, I can get in a lot of trouble with copyrights for this. So at the time, I didn't know. That's really what it came down to. I was just like naive, thought it was a good idea. I worked on it for like a week, week and a half. And I was like, no, this, I, I just basically, once I found out the copyright stuff, I was like, this is not worth the risk of making. 20 bucks a month maybe so yeah.
1: and for so, any yeah. of the listeners or, or viewers out there maybe go check instagram because i bet maybe you're just ahead of your time because i bet there's a couple uh instagram handles out there of people just posting pictures of babies in the womb I, or you, something you would be
0: surprised yeah i'm sure that there's someone out there my off. brilliant idea yeah. my brilliant idea yeah but I don't know. That's just one of the bad examples. There was, there was a lot. I tried to be straight with it, but like, that's the thing I did. I did Udemy. Um, you know, I did that. My one hour professor website, originally I was focused on trying to create courses. I tried to do like, and I did some consulting. Um, so I did that. Like I did anything and everything I could possibly do to try to like make it self-sustaining. That was like the whole thing. So make my whole employment self-sustaining. I mean,
1: right, right. Now, I want to jump into some of the specifics on like sort of your approach to your portfolio and the kind of sites that you work on. There's a lot of questions that came in that are about like content and link building and your keyword research and stuff like that. So we're going to kind of dive into that, some of the tactical stuff. We're going to meander around. That's kind of how my brain works. So can you tell me um, just sort of the kind of websites that you have sort of in general?
0: yeah i mean at this point so I've, I've noticed a lot of people um going into the uh model of like the amazon affiliate thing um which is good and i don't think that there's anything wrong with that but to me that it scares the crap out of me um i have a website that is in that and it's in like the pet niche we'll just call it that um so yeah i have like the pet niche the employment niche um I'm trying to think of any other niches. I'm, I mean, I can't really give away one of the. I guess it would yeah. be like a public service niche. I can't really give that away because it would be too specific. But in general, like the websites that I build, um, I I've done a, a Amazon affiliate, but that that scares me because Amazon they just did it this last week. I don't know if you heard, but like fashion got lowered by X percentage. Like they keep dropping their commissions um and it just scares me it really scares me because i feel like amazon is so powerful if some i will say for anyone that's out there has an amazon site that's doing pretty well i think where the real money is there is creating physical products or digital products if you can somehow monetize it and do that um, and selling those on your website is a much more safer business model but for me most of my websites i try to i've kind of gone away from that whole Amazon affiliate model because it scares me. And I focus mostly on like informational, educational uh, content type of websites, uh, true authorities, like finding a, a niche of individuals or, you know, around a passion or around a problem, um, giving them all the information that they need. And then usually monetization, I get, you know, some Amazon affiliate monetization, um, some other affiliate monetization, and then mostly it's actually Google AdSense. Uh, I make quite a bit from with Google AdSense, but yeah, there's some other affiliate partners there. But that's kind of the businesses that I focus on are informational, educational around a particular niche or topic to help people.
1: Got it. And going back to you know one of our influences, Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. Basically, he had you know this site back in the day, security. Training guard training, guard
0: training HQ. Yeah, right. I think that's it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like a public case study. I think it's still around. I think it's remained, you know, relevant. But yep. um, that's a great example for people to have a look at. Wait, would you agree, Ron?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how. Well, even if you, here's the thing. If you search security guard training now, you're not just going to see his, but you're going to see all the people that copied him, which I never think people should copy each other because I mean, there's always room for a niche, but like be original. Uh, but, um, a lot of people copied him. So you'll see if not his, then you're going to see other ones that are probably way better than his because he doesn't really work on that that much anymore. I don't think, um, but yeah, it's still mm-hmm. relevant. Yeah. It's definitely still relevant. Cool.
1: And I think. Yeah, it's important to point out like there's many different business models, like you're saying. So I focus on Amazon. Typically, um, I also have uh, info products, educational kind of stuff, and you focus on like ads. And that's there's plenty of room for many different yeah. business models, and they could all work just fine, and um, they have pros and cons. So yeah,
0: and I, I will say too, if you really want to do well with an authority website or like any website. You know, and I'm um, Doug, I'm sure you would agree. You know, you maybe start with one monetization model, like let's just say Amazon, and then you do stacking, right? So then you stack on, okay, we got Amazon. Well, maybe we should throw them some AdSense on certain pages where it makes sense. Let's create a digital product. Let's, and then you get a website that goes from making, you know, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand a month to three, four, five. And that's how you really, you focus on what you have and squeeze every drop. Of juice out of that lemon, right? Like get everything you can. And then when you're out of monetization ideas, that's the point where you say, maybe I should start something new. That's, that's, I think that's an important takeaway for anybody. Cause that's a mistake I made a bunch of times. So I still make that mistake to be honest.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So when you started, um, uh, let's focus on just one site, maybe the, the major site as far as revenue, um, just to give a good example. So we could focus on, you know, one site here. Um, like when you Started it. Can you tell us about like how many keywords you had to start off with? Like, what did you launch with your general plan of like link building, or did you even know all that stuff yet?
0: Um, to be honest, I mean, I kind of knew it because of my corporate like life, I guess you could say, because of digital marketing. Um, but I will say most of what I learned, I don't feel like was from the job. Or it, you know, it also it definitely wasn't from school. I remember I had one class on digital marketing that actually still makes me mad. Um, so like it definitely wasn't from that. I mostly learned what I did like through podcasts, honestly. Um, I learned a ton through podcasts and I usually prefer podcasts because working out or on a drive, you know, commute, you can still listen. Um, but yeah, my, I mean, my, my main website, which, and, um, just to be clear, the reason if anybody doesn't know, I don't disclose this anymore because I did at one point and I got like some copycats coming in. Um, and I don't like that. So that's why I don't disclose the website, but my main website, um, that particular one, when I started it, it was actually just based on, and I'm not kidding. When I say this, there was a need, somebody in my, my father had gotten remarried and there was a need in the family for someone, um, to be able to get a job and they had certain things going on. Uh, out externally that were influencing that. Um, so I basically went out and I said, okay, well, what other websites are out there to help with this type of situation? That individual, um, was having a really hard time. I couldn't find a really good resource. There was a few others out there, which there's a lesson in that. If it's already been done, m- most of the things you come up with will be done, uh, at some point already, but that doesn't mean they can't be better. Um, so, at that point in time, I basically looked and I saw what was out there. I was like, you know, I really think I can make something better. And I legitimately at that time was building it to help that individual. And I was thinking maybe one day I'll make like 500 bucks a month. Maybe, you know, I have no idea. And here I am now. I don't even know what that website probably pulls in like 10 to 12,000 a month or something like that. So, um, But yeah, like the, the keywords, I only knew what my competitors were doing. And I only knew to do what they were doing, but do it a little bit better. Um, so it was like, I didn't really have a specific set of keywords. I kind of did something which I'm sure we'll talk about. Like, I, I work in uh, systems. That's like the way that I am. I probably should have been a project manager, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's kind of how my, my brain works is like, how can we do something, create an outline for it or a template, template for it and do that? and then get it to a certain quality standard and then do that over and over and over and over and over. So I did that, um, with the, the keywords, it was more like covering information for all 50 States, of the United States with a certain content template to, to fully cover that information move on. And then it was like, okay, we're done with that port part of it. Let's go to this other area where we can do 50 more pages on specific information for all 50 States do that. And then let's move to this, you know, so it was kind of like that, the systematic way of doing it. Um, but I started with one and I built that out. I built it better than what they were doing. Uh, I didn't really have like a list of keywords, so to speak. Like nowadays I usually do in that particular instance though, I didn't cause I didn't really, I mean, I knew kind of, here's my targets, but I didn't really have like you know, it was more, it was really to help someone. I mean, that's now I try to focus my stuff on really genuinely helping people. And usually things, good things happen from there. So, right.
1: And again, for people that are curious about an example, that security guard training HQ is, I mean, it's sort of a, a template that you could follow that's really similar where it's yeah. like there's regulations for 50 different states for security it, that's guards. That's like a
0: perfect example, Doug. That's like a perfect, yeah, like at, at security guard, in order to become a security guard security guard in all 50 states, you probably have certain laws or whatever you have to follow. So that's what I would do is I would say, okay, the security guard training in Arizona, let's focus on that. Security guard training in Alaska, let's focus, you know, and do it that way. So that's how I started. And then that started to pick up steam, and then I did it more and more and more in different areas.
1: Yep. Perfect. And and for like people that are familiar with the channel, usually focusing on like product related keywords, buyers keywords. These are not. These are generally like informational. Informational. So it's like purely informational. There's no products related to it. Um, no no really like, yeah. So there's no products. There's no buyers keywords. It's informational and it's ad revenue. So just want to point that out. Now, how much content is on the site? now? Uh,
0: in terms of the big site that I have. Yeah. I think it's at like, <laughs> I think it's at like 1800 pages or something like that total. Um, I do. So to be clear, so I focused on that, that we'll call it database type of content, uh, just for, you know, so people can understand like 50 States database type thing. We'll t- we'll call it that. So I did focus on that a lot, but I also do blogging. Um, and that's where I do the keyword research and I say, you know, can these individuals, get hired by this company or can these individuals get training by, you know, and I, I think of that too. So like I'll do the keyword research. I'll find specific questions that are really important to that niche, that area. And then I will have blog posts answering those questions. So I also do blogging, but yeah, like, like total, like
1: 1800, I think. 1800. Right around there. Yeah. That's bananas, man. That's yeah, crazy. it's crazy. But again, it's <laughs>
0: been, what i've been doing it for five years
1: you know what i mean yeah. so
0: like and like and like when you, i outsource a ton i'm sure we'll talk about that i outsource a ton of my work so like when i outsource i mean i really 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 outsource i'm not scared to spend thousands of dollars every month not that you have to do that in the beginning but once you start making the money i'm a huge huge proponent of rolling back back into the business to grow it and that's how i've really grown larger 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 is by always rolling back profits into the revenue into the business
1: so yep Totally. And just as a reference point, do you happen to remember how many um, posts or pieces of content that you like launched that site with?
0: At the time, I would say I'm trying to think I would think that it was probably around about I'd say maybe about 150 total pages. Um, but it was mostly focused on again that database type of, mm-hmm. you know, let's just use the security guard training as an example. It was mostly built around that. So let's just say about 150 pages uh is where I launched it. And then I started to see traffic and I wasn't too concerned with monetization at the time. Um, uh, because that's always something you can figure. There's always a way to make money. There's always a way to make money. So like, yeah, I think around 150 is where I really did it. Nowadays, if you would ask me now where I would what I would do, you know, now that I know a lot more and I've been around for a while. Um, I would probably say usually no less than like 25 pages or 25 posts, um, is when I'd really launch something. Um, but it depends on your strategy. Like if you're doing 25 informational pieces of content and you launch, you might start to get some traffic after about six months is when I think that the the Google sandbox, you get out of it, so to speak. Um, so you might take that, but then it's like, okay, now you have informational content for 25 articles. You don't have a way to make money. So it's like, you know, like now you need to start doing affiliate stuff, you know. So it, it, it depends on your strategy. There's a lot. But yeah, I would say like you want to have 25 well-written posts. Like don't just throw out 500 words of, of garbage. That's not going to do it for
1: you. So About how long are the, the posts that you have generally? When
0: when there are questions... Um, I would say mostly I, – I usually the rule of thumb is like when I assign my writers, 75 to 1,000 – 750, sorry. Mm-hmm. 750 to 1,000 words is typically on the low end. Um, on the high end, I might go up to like 2,000, 2,250, like maybe 2,500. But I know some people are like, oh, publish the longer content, this, that, and the other. I don't believe that that's, I, I, this is just a personal belief. I don't think that that's going to be sustainable. I think eventually Google is going to be like, Hey, uh, you know, you have these 10,000, 20,000, you know, word of things. Um, yeah, right now you might get some long tail, but I don't think that that works because it's so hard to navigate. And like, I don't know. I mean, that's my thought. I, I know the argument of like, well, there's longer time on page and all this and that, but I don't personally believe in that. I would rather create a URL and a title tag and a page that specifically answers one query about one thing if there's things that are really really similar then yes tie them into that and maybe make a different like heading but in general um, yeah around 750 to a thousand is is where I stay so
1: right and just to I I tend to agree with you on yeah just in general but I mean let's say you or I have a, a problem we type it into our phone or maybe use like, yep. some kind of voice search I don't want to read like 10 thousand fucking words on yeah. like, uh, <laughs> I just want like the one sentence answer. So sometimes yep. if you could say it in a few paragraphs, that's better. And yep. uh, yeah, sometimes people are in a hurry.
0: Yeah. And I think so. one, one caveat to that too, is that like some people think, well, because google has their knowledge graph their knowledge graph so now it's like you search and you get an instant answer and they're like well they don't need to click through your website yes they do because even though there's that knowledge graph there and even though there's that one or two sentences that answer your question they still want to know how you arrived at that question like as human beings we're not just gonna be like oh you know read it on the internet and it's true oh well, some people do that uh, yeah. but <laughs> most yeah. people are like okay i understand that you're saying that let me dive a little deeper to understand why that is and everything. So I think that's important to understand.
1: Right, right, right. And quick, quick caveat: um, Ryan and I both know long-form content is good, but sometimes short-form content is the right length. So just yep. to be clear, before people get upset and tell me that fifteen to eighteen hundred words <laughs> yeah. is the ideal length for ranking, sure, across a huge data set.
0: Yeah, and, and you got to. I mean, and you also have to understand. I'm answering my writers are answering a question, right? If you're doing a roundup review of five or 10 products, even you might not even have enough at 1800 words. you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it depends on what the content is and what the intent of the user is. That's the real key here. So like the way that my business works and my focus, my intent is going to be answering that one question or questions really closely related to it. And that's it. And then maybe I link to a few of the things to get them, you know, maybe on my email list or whatever else. Um, but if you're on like a, a Amazon website, like that sort of thing. Yeah. If you're doing a full product review, which I like I said, I have a website like that. Um, if I was doing that, then, yeah, you know, you, you want the longer content. So it really depends on the content and what the user's intent is. I think that's the key to that whole discussion. So
1: right on. Right on. So just quickly, um, sounds like you have some writers that help you out. Can you tell us a little bit about the writing team, how you approach that and, you know, just in general, what you're paying?
0: Yeah. um, So my writers, for the most part, I started, I was super, super cheap uh, when I I started. Um, And I actually, you know, I, I hear people say like, oh, you know, I usually will pay Um, I usually do it by word. Um, and the reason why I do that when I pay my writers, I say, okay, um, by word, actually, I'm I'm sorry, I say by 100 words, it's just easier math. But I usually say that because I want my writers to understand that I want them to write what they need to write. I don't want to say, write an article between 500 to 750 words and I'll pay you X amount of dollars. I don't like doing that at a fixed cost because as a writer, they have no incentive to go past 500 and 501 words. They have no incentive. It's like, why would I spend more time doing this for my client when I have this other client who, you know, they have no incentive. So I basically say, I will just pay you per 100 words. And usually that comes out to like, when I started at first, I had a writer that was like 50 cents per 100 words. Oh, and one other thing, I always get English-based people, no matter what, 100%. I never, ever get anyone from outside of the US because I've just found that, well... I guess you could make the argument like UK and all that would be fine, you know, definitely. Um, but they're, you know, their currency is higher than ours. So that's why I don't that's why I don't usually go with them. Um, but like you want someone who is an English speaker, full fledged native. And that's just what they do. I've just found when I've tried to do it with other countries that I've always had too many little issues, like little intricate things. Plus, they don't always stand uh, understand like. The humor here and the current events, it's just, it, they're not in the culture. They're not immersed in the culture. So they don't fully get it, you know? Right. Um, But I always hire them. But yeah, I like when I, when I pay them, I usually will do it per 100 words. I started at like 50 cents, which was super, super cheap. And the lady was working way too cheap. Um, and then I was up to like a buck and that was, believe it or not, like some people will tell you like, oh, you have to pay at least like two, three, four dollars per 100 words. Um, and I think that you probably do get some better content for that. Like for the most part, there is definitely a, that. But there's a point of diminishing return there. And the reality is um, with a lot of content, specifically if you choose the right niche and it's not super competitive, you might be the only one writing it you know, or like one of the few writing it. So good enough or a little bit better than your competitor is better than anything else out there. Um, not easy to find those niches, but I think I kind of stumbled into one of those with my own affiliate site. So it's like when you're dealing with that, you don't need to pay super, super high. Um, and especially if you're doing informational content, like I do, you're not going to see a huge return on your content anyway. I mean, it's going to be like most of my content doesn't make a ton of money. The thing is I just have a ton of content that makes a little bit of money, all those different pages. So like, that's the difference between my business model. But if you're doing like an Amazon one, like that, that type of website, I could see paying more now I typically pay, and I, I've kind of, I usually go for people who have like a journalism um, type of degree. You know, I look for teachers are really big. Um, and now I'm I'm okay, usually around two bucks per 100 um, words, which is like two cents a word. That's that's typically what I'm willing to pay now, um, which I've found that the content is good enough. So I have that. And then I also, um, I have, well, I'm trying to think of how many writers I have right now. I think it's three different writers right now um, is what I have. And then I have a editor um, that actually manages all the content of all my websites, and she just gives it that final look through. Um, and then if I ever have an issue, this is why I like that because they all kind of – they don't report to that editor, but at the same time, she's kind of the catch-all. Mm-hmm. So if I see something wrong with them my, art- my articles, I don't have to go to the, the writer. I have to go to the editor and say, hey, why did you miss this? Mm-hmm. And then they catch that flack and then it spreads to all my writers and all my content. So they know, don't do that again. And then they're making sure that they keep the writers in check. And I tell them, you know, if you have to talk to the writer, please talk to the writer, tell them this, like, that's mm-hmm. okay. Like I'm leaning on you. And if this, if this content isn't good, I'm leaning on you. So this is on you. And this is going to be your problem if it's not good. So that's used that whole hierarchy mm-hmm. has worked for me. Um, but when I first started to go back to people who are probably earlier, uh, I just hired a writer. They would submit content to me. I would review it. I would edit it. And I'm obviously, I still teach at colleges and stuff. So like, I'm, I'm good at that whole part of editing and all that because it's just like a part of my profession. Um, but I would edit it myself and then post it myself, you know? But as I grew, I had someone post and then I got an editor. Like that took time for me. That was probably one of the most difficult things for me to let go of is like putting an editor in place. Not, I barely even see some of the content now. I mean it. Like it, it just goes up there and then my virtual assistant's like, hey, it's up. And then I'm looking at it and I'm looking if I see anything wrong, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. And then I'll go back. But I wasn't like that before, you know? Mm. So,
1: Well, how did you, I I get this question often. So how did you like let go of that control?
0: Um, I know that I'm not great at everything. I think I'm pretty decent slash good at a lot of things, but I'm not great at everything. Um, And it just comes down to the fact that like, I wasn't a journalism major, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not like, I'm a good writer. I had to be, I mean, I, I almost did like a whole thesis and my doctorate program and all I'm a good writer, but I understand that there's people who are better at it than me. I understand that there's people who are way more passionate about it and writing and creating content in general takes forever. It's a very long, pr- like it just takes time. I didn't like spending my time doing that. It's not that I couldn't do it, but it was like, okay, I could spend all my time doing this or I can buy back some of my time and have someone else do it. And then I can oversee the whole um, direction of the website and really where we're going. You know, that was like a really, really big thing to me. And like one of the things I always say to people who are like hesitant to outsource at the end of days when you are on your deathbed. Right. <laughs> hypothetically, you're sitting there. Do you think. That you're going to be like, man, I wish I would have edited more articles like that kind of thing. Or like, I mean, that's dramatic, but the reality is every hour that you buy back of your own time by investing in outsourcing is another hour you get to actually live and enjoy and have for yourself, you know, and like, it may sound cheesy or whatever, but that's how I think. Like I, I, if if it comes down to time, anything that takes me a lot of time, outsource as quick as I can, because I know that time is the one thing none of us can ever get back. You, You can never do it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I was going to say like that once I started letting go, like things are, you know, the editor is going to do good enough. Like if you really want to scale and I mean, there's only so many hours that each of us has. So you have to do some, you have to leverage it somewhere. And like you said, once you hit a point that you could reinvest, you could buy back some of that time and do more visionary kind of stuff where you're like doing things to grow instead of just like, Yeah. And you're you're
0: implementing strategies. You're no longer in the weeds. You're not working on your or like in your business, you're working on your business, you know, like you're above, you're overseeing it. You have people doing certain things. You're making sure those go well, but you're also able to do forward thinking. You're thinking about what's the next content where, you know, what affiliates, what direction do I want to go? Um, yeah, that was a big thing. And I'll say like in the beginning too, just to, to bring it back to my past a little bit, I, when I started this, I had a full-time job. Um, personally, it was a, as a marketing manager and I started it as a, like a passion project as with a full-time job. I think that anybody who does it, unless they have a ton of money saved up, I think if they just like leave their job and just go all for it, I personally found that crazy. Um, because I like taking calculated risks, you know, and for me, I had, I couldn't invest a ton of money into it in the beginning. Um, but I, I was short on time. But what I could do is I could manage a writer who could create the content, then I could edit it, then I could put it up. And I had the money still coming in to where I could afford to do all that, you know, and that was a tough transition to get away from because I had like the golden parachute, you know, making like over hundred K, you know, like that whole thing, everything was really, really great. But now I make more than I ever could have made. And I work from home and I get to decide everything I want to do, which is way, way, I would do this even if I was making less. Well, I did do it when I was making less. <laughs> it took a huge risk. So yeah,
1: totally. And, um, you, you know what? I forgot to ask this. How long, um, I guess when did you quit your full-time job as the the digital marketer? So I was a digital marketer. I
0: think probably from when I really, really focused on this website. I think it took about seven or eight months um, from, from until my first website really, really took off. Um and by really took off, like don't get like confused by that. Like when I say really took off, I'm talking it made like three to four hundred dollars a month. Like that was really taken off to me. And the reason for that was simple. <laughs> it had momentum. That was my biggest thing. And I was like dying to leave my corporate job. (laughs) I was dying. Not, I, I like my, my workers or my, uh, my coworkers, you know, my boss wasn't terrible. Like at times I get annoyed, but who doesn't at their boss, but they weren't terrible. It was just, I didn't like, like the commute killed me, like all these different things. So for me, yeah, it was like, like, I don't know. I think it was like seven or eight months or so. And my website started to show momentum, started to make a little bit of money. And I was like, I can do this. And then I just like, I, I, my con, I have a condo in the city. I rented that out. I went to like a crappy apartment in the suburbs. Like I downsized big time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I was paying for parking. And this is in Chicago, um, which is, you know, it's not like the most expensive place, but it's pretty expensive. So I had all that stuff. I moved to the suburbs. Um, I like, no more cable. Like I cut all ties with everything. And I had, I don't know what, I think I had like 10 or 15,000 saved up total. Um, and I was just like, I'm going for it. Like I'm going to do this and I'm going for it. So,
1: okay. Yeah. I was like, dude, if you had a six figure job and then you're making three or $400 a month, like That's bananas, but you, you had other stuff. You, you downsized. you did some other things. All right. Yeah. And I
0: I also, and I will (laughs) say too, I had, cause I, I've been teaching for all this time. Right. So like I still, and I'm very blessed. I still have some of my teaching gigs, um, at just as an adjunct professor, like a part time take on courses when you can. Um, I still have some of that. So like at the time I had it and that was, you know, I did that and a little bit of consulting to survive. It was Mm -hmm. like in the red every month or like even every month, but I was just working as hard as I possibly could on these websites. So, or on the website, I should say at the time. So. Right
1: now, um, link building. So ton of questions on link building. Can you, well, actually, let me just ask you this. Cause some people say link building is a total waste of time. They don't even do it. They maybe wait for some natural links. Um, what, what do you think about links?
0: I think that's bananas. (laughs) No, to to say that, uh, to say link building doesn't matter at all. In my personal opinion and experience, this isn't just opinion. This isn't, you know, this is something that I've lived. Um, link building will get you there faster, I guess is what you could say. Like, yes, you can create a ton of content. And if you, if you do, if you use the KGR, the keyword golden ratio, you will get rankings, you will get up there. And yes, you will. But, Even though you're getting served for those relevant results, and even though you may be getting, you know, views on your website, what are the chances of that person's a webmaster? What are the person that that webmaster is going to link to you? Not very high. So like some people say, Oh, I don't do link building. I, I, I will say, and Doug, you know, a lot about the history. I think I've overdone link building at the past at times, a little too hard. Um, and you know, we could talk about that later or whatever, but. For the most part, when it comes to link building, I personally feel like it's an absolute necessity. You don't have to go crazy on it. But like after like six months, you're going to find if, if you are just creating content, you're going to be writing to nothing and you're not going to see much. Like I have a website right now that I'm working on. Uh, we have I'm trying to think. I think it's about 80 articles, 90 articles right now. I am getting maybe one visit a day, maybe. And it's been about three months. But I, I know that that's okay because I'm going to do link building and I'm going to kind of build it up. So I think link building is a requirement personally. I think that you have to at least do some link building, um, in order to be really successful. That's how I feel.
1: Cool. And I think because we have so many questions on that, we may hold off on some of the link building details. Cause I think we could just, I mean, actually someone just said, just talk about link building all day. Um, in yeah, one of the comments should. that was yeah. Josh, but, um, yeah, basically, I tend to agree with you. You know, you can get away with not building links. But if you build links, it's just like putting, you know, gas on the fire it is. or it really, or, is. or something, some other highly flammable thing that's like useful. Like it's yeah. I think people like the idea because they don't know how to do it or it seems scary or it's, they want to do terrible. less work. Right.
0: <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like it's like sales because it's like. Link building there, if you get a one to three percent conversion, so that means every hundred targets you get one to three of them to link back to you. That's pretty average, decent. I mean, I don't, that's not, that's not completely terrible. Like, and that number, it's like, can you sit there and deal with all that rejection over and over and over? Like, really good people are getting seven to 10 percent, but like, that's not, you know, one out of every 10 isn't very encouraging, you know, like it's it's tough. So, like, yeah, you really, I think a lot of people don't want to do it because it's just full of rejection. It's not fun. I love it. I don't know why. And I'm glad I love it. I don't even know why it makes me tick, but I love it. Cause I, I think it's cause I know all my competitors aren't doing it. They're not focused on it and they don't, they don't really focus on it enough. They don't think it's important enough. And I can tell you definitively 1000%. Mm-hmm. It is extremely important because I have websites where I don't do it and nothing's happening. And then I start doing it. And then guess what? all my rankings start climbing. It always happens, always. And that's that goes for Amazon websites, for Amazon affiliate websites, that goes for informational websites, all these, any type of website. It always is going to help because it just gives you more authority. That's all it does. So,
1: yes. And um, yeah, we can like I said, we can go on and on and on and on, but just um for the main site that that we've been talking about, do you have an idea like how many referring domains are pointing to it just to give people an idea the craziness that is going I'm gonna inside. I'm
0: going to have to look, have to look <laughs> on AHRS actually for that one. That's right. uh, I've, got, I've got it up here right now. Uh, so at this point, I have 419 referring domains to that one. That's, um, so that's the total. But I will say, and I don't know anyone else who's like maybe a little bit more advanced. It's like watching this. I've been getting more spam links lately. So, like, of those, maybe 350 are, like, valid. Um, I don't know why. It seems like there's, like, been an influx across all my websites that more people have been doing that. So, like, probably valid, like, 350, 360 domains total. Um, but that – actually, that website, I did a, a decent amount of link building in the beginning. I haven't really done much link building other than that because in in terms of the internet, I'm basically the number one result for that particular, like, term and that particular niche. I don't really need to keep doing the link building because a lot of my content is ranking. So now I am getting those links organically, which is like the coolest feeling in the world, you know, because you're just like, oh, my gosh, I just got a link. Like I get links from like a government website. All of a sudden it's like, well, hello there. You know, like, right, right. You. like that's awesome. So nowadays I don't really do much for that one, but it's already reached that top level. You know, when you're at a, when you're at a website in the beginning and you, you're not even close to that top level, you absolutely have to do link building in my personal opinion. So.
1: Do you know how many, I don't know if you'll remember this, but do you know how many referring domains or links you got before you hit that sort of critical mass where like now you are the authority and people will link to your site because you have the best information?
0: So I had a very uh strange um growth trajectory with this particular website to backtrack just a little bit when i created this website I created it, i started to get a little bit of organic traffic uh without doing any link building so it does work i you know in the beginning i wasn't doing any what ended up happening was this particular resource this particular website it actually went very 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 viral on facebook um and it's to be clear it's a resource this is an informational resource this wasn't like you know, like, oh, uh, nine ways to do this. Number six will surprise you. It wasn't that what those types of posts. It was like a date like a database type of resource helping people with some particular information. It went viral on Facebook like crazy. And what ended up happening was, I mean, this like shut down my server a few times. Like it was like a big deal. Like I was getting two, three hundred people on at every second of the website, which was crazy. Um, so but the whole thing was that basically went up and then it went down because that's what viral stuff does. And then after that is when I thought about link building because it was like, okay, it made all that money. It's a great resource. Now some people know about it, but I need to make this stick. How can I make it stick? And I already knew about link building, but I wasn't doing it. Like most people don't want to do it. And I was like, I'm just not going to, but then at that point I was like, man, this can really earn some decent money if I figure this out. So then I started to do link building. So at that point I would say, I think I probably only got like maybe 30 to 50 links total um, somewhere in that range for it to really be like, start, you know, like, like critical mass solidifying in the, in the search results. And then I've just been adding so much content onto it every, you know, every month or whatever for so long now, you know, that it like, I kept ranking for more and more and then more links kept coming in. And now it's just getting more and more and more authoritative, like naturally, I don't even really have to do much anymore. So.
1: Awesome. Very cool. So quick summary, you published, uh, some, some content got a little bit of traffic the site went viral and then you were like while well, the traffic went away i need to build some links and then you got started with your your own campaigns right
0: yeah that's when i that's when i really dove into link building and thank god i did because you know it was getting a little bit of traction and it, and then it went like up like crazy because of viral and then it went down like crazy and then it was like Okay, I'm right back to where I was. Now what? And then I started to build some links thinking, well, I guess I could try to make some more traffic come this way. And then at that point is when I started to see that's like my websites and you've seen graphs, they're slow rise. They're not like that was an anomaly. Not all my websites, actually, none of my other websites have ever done that since. It was just this really random occurrence. So like for the most part, it's a slow rise. It's a steady, slow growth, you know, growth graph that's just going up, up, up slowly. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the key. So.
1: Got it. Now, one thing. Uh, so, Ron, I see we're at the top of the hour. Can you go a few minutes longer? or Do we need to cut this off? You can give me as long as you want, Doug. Awesome. I'm here. I mean, I mean it. You can as long as you want. I don't care. That's fine. all right. Cool. I'm going to finish a couple questions here on the link building, and then I think we may take a, a quick break, a pause, and then maybe save it for round two um, in a few minutes. So, okay. so for your, you, you got into link building what's your maybe give like one or two sort of strategies that you do for link building. You're great at setting up systems and I've observed and heard you talk about like the things that you set up and it is definitely like a project management and it's a system. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's ridiculous. So, so what, what's, Uh, what what are you doing?
0: So usually, okay. So when it comes to link building, like me personally, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of saying test, Test different link building because I I don't think, and this is after being in quite a few different niches, I don't think that there's one link building tactic that works really, really well across every niche. Um, Like, if you're in the finance niche and you're trying to do guest blog posting, good luck. You better have a budget because they're going to ask you for hundreds of dollars every single guest post because that's finance and that's what they do in that. Um, Mommy bloggers, same thing. Like, some of them get really expensive with that. So, like, I'm a big fan of testing different types. Um and really seeing and when I say testing different types, like I don't mean reaching out to 10 or 15 people and seeing if it works. And then if it doesn't say, nope, it's no good. I'm out of here. I'm talking about reaching out to like maybe two to three hundred total targets, trying a particular, you know, um link building tactic. And then if that doesn't work at that point, you have a decent data sample size, then saying, Okay, that didn't work. Let me try this other, you know, this other one. Because you usually in all niches, I feel like you can find one tactic that works better than most in, in, in all niches. There's going to be one tactic that works better than most, but me personally, um, what do I do now at this point? And I've done a lot of different, um, tactics. Um, but I think at this point, what I really focus on, I do a a lot of guest posting now. Um, because I, I think that that's, I found it, I've systematized and made it kind of easy, um, to be able, you know, I have someone doing all the, the, pre-outreach activities, the commenting on blogs, the replying to emails, that sort of thing, getting them warmed up. And then they kind of go in and pitch them. So I do that a lot. Um, and then I also, um, Haro or Haro, however you want to pronounce it, help a reporter out. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I've kept, if anyone's wondering, why do you still teach? Um, one of the reasons I kept that is because I think when people hear professor, they immediately like, you know, it garnishes, it, it just gains some respect immediately. Like it has like that title, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I do Harold because I can reach out to them and I'm a college professor. So whoop de doo it's a college professor. So I'm more inclined to get links. So that actually works relatively well for me. Um, I've done that. But like what link building techniques have I done? I mean, anything that you're going to read about, I'm, I've probably done it. Um, I don't do black hat stuff so much. I stay away from that. Um, but like when it came to like um, – I don't know, just doing resource page uh, link building. I've done that. I've done like blog commenting back in the day. I, don't, I would never waste my time now. But back in the day, I did that. I've done, um, and we've talked about this, this is like a, a, an advanced tactic of something that I did that worked really well on one website and I think actually hurt me on the other website mm-hmm. is what I call database link building, going back to the word database, which apparently I just love that word. Um, it was the idea of creating a... Let's just say a directory of sorts on your website. So uh, security guard training, I'm just going to use an example because we've been talking about it, maybe saying, hey, um, I'm going to create a directory of all the security guard training schools. I don't even know if that's a thing. Security guard training schools across all 50 states. You create that directory and then you basically reach out to them and say, hey, you've been listed on my website. Would you be willing to link back to me like that type of um, outreach that worked really well for me across two different websites and one website still to this day ranks pretty well. The other website, um, I, well, this is like a cautionary tale. I did that super hard. I was getting an insane amount of links. I remember when we were talking about it, it was like, I mean, I'm talking five to 10 links a day. You know, it was like crazy how well it was working. But uh, Google kind of, I think at that point, I think it's kind of categorized that website as a directory because I think I went a little too big with that link building project and it actually hurt that website. And I put a lot of content on the website and it was a blow. And this wasn't that long ago. This was probably what a couple months, three months ago. So I still make mistakes. Um, but at that time it hit me and it's still, I'm still trying to figure out how to finagle and make it like get fixed. But that was like a big thing that I did that I don't think anything was or any, many other people were doing mm-hmm. and it was working really well. But use with caution. Like I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I don't know the right answer to that because it worked great on one website that was kind of smaller. I did it on another website that was supposed to be bigger. And I think it actually worked against me. So.
1: Gotcha. Cool. And just a quick summary. So you would do, well, you've done a variety of stuff, but generally your go-to is like just guest posting like standard, you know, at, just networking. at this point. Yeah. Because the, the websites and the niches that I'm working on, guest posting
0: is great in those particular niches. Um I actually I'm going to give away one other one that I remember I heard this on a podcast and it was a pretty interesting it's a pretty interesting one. This is one of my secret ones that I'll tell everyone. So, this is the juicy stuff. Uh <laughs> if you go to um Flickr, right? One of the things when people are looking for images, usually they go to Flickr and they want to see a creative commons where it can be shared in the public domain, right? They want to do that. So this individual who was on – and I don't remember who this was. I would give him credit. This was not mine. I I honestly cannot tell you who this was, but I thought it was pretty interesting. What he would do is he would actually take pictures himself, and then he would put them onto Flickr, tag them correctly and everything, and then say, yeah, you can use this. But make sure if you do that you give attribution to this particular website, Mm -hmm. right? That was his whole strategy. I did a variation of that to where I basically went out, and I didn't like – I would never like take images from like Shutterstock and then just put them up there because that's totally mm-hmm. illegal copyright issues. But I would find ways to get content that was in the public domain that was technically free in other places, put it up onto Flickr and say, yes, you can use that. But you have to link back to my website um, that I won't say that it worked like super well, but I did get some pretty high uh, authority links from that because people were just looking for the images. So it worked, but, you know, it's it should never be a primary you know, Mm but yeah, like nowadays I do mostly guest posting. Um, I mean, almost, almost exclusively guest posting. I still do where I, I present my websites to people and I say, Hey, this could be a helpful resource to your audience. What do you think? And like, that's not guest posting. That's kind of just like Mm -hmm. shotgun skyscraper, just kind of saying, Hey, this is a thing. But yeah, for the most part, I still do guest posting. I think would probably be my number one at this point. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. And quick, quick note. I can't remember, I've heard of that strategy and actually I've, I use Flickr, um, images as well. Creative Commons, of course. Um, and I've gotten emails where people were like, Hey, you didn't, attribute this properly um yeah. you should link to the website or whatever which yeah. you know i the thing is like you're you're right like you will get some links but i think the magic of that is like you have to go back and do the reverse image lookup to find out who's using it and yeah. then do the outreach so yeah if,
0: if you were if you really a, wanted to go hard on it yes, yeah absolutely with me I literally, and like, even now I'm building a website, I'm doing this and I'm getting like content that, um, it's images, but it's not like. It's not like I'm going out with a camera and taking really nice pictures. Like these are images that anybody can get, but I'm getting them in a way that's kind of creative. I'm putting them up there. I'm actually not doing that outreach and reverse image lookup and saying that. I'm just putting it up there and hoping. And I this so far with this website, I haven't gotten any, but I did it with another website and I got some. But like if you really want to go hard with it, yes, Mm -hmm. you'd probably want to do the reverse Google image search. But again, I don't know that that's like the best one out there, but it's like something to consider, you know, like that's yeah. the, I don't think that there is one link tactic that's great for all websites at all times. I think like I run campaigns, you know, I'm like, OK, let's do, uh, uh, you know, for an example, let's do an infographic and create that and then I'll reach to these hundred targets and then I'll move on to a different campaign. OK, now let's try this. OK, now let's try. This. And I'll keep trying until I find something that seems to work. And then I'll really try to hammer. it. So
1: got it. Cool. And I think if people have other like link building questions, you could, you know, leave comments, uh, and let me know, like Ron and I know, and we could dive into it a little deeper. Um, I think what we could do, I'm going to hit a couple of the questions that people asked. Um, some of which we've already like gone through. Um, but I'm just going to kind of go through. So we have, uh, Echo is asking, what type of content was most popular in Google rankings and your audience? And by that, I mean, which type of articles ranked best?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, going back to what I had said, I'd probably say like the question stuff in, in these informational authoritative type websites that I create, right? For me, it was informational content type of stuff. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I'd have to say, the answer to that one for me in my situation. So cool.
1: And next is from beauty reporters. There's a series of questions which goes through a lot of stuff. So I guess you could sort of actually how many sites do you have in your like portfolio as we would call that it? I'm
0: actively working on at this point that I'm actively working on two, but total sites. Uh, well, actually, I guess I should say three because my big site is still technically working on, but like I would, okay, I have about like, well, I'd say I'd say five no six I'd say six that I'm actively working on or have writers for let's put it that way so there's six of them that are getting it but I'm personally focused on two but Uh I have other people handling the other
1: ones that I still have got it and then how much revenue is coming from the we'll call it the main site.
0: That's probably at, well, at this point, I figured this out the other day. Uh, I think it's like 60 to 65% roughly okay. um, every month is coming from from that. In terms of like the actual revenue, I think it's like, well, it's on my income reports, um, but it's like, I don't know, total. I think it's, okay. I don't know what that comes from. Uh, the percentage down is perfect. Yeah. 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 Percent. Yeah. So somewhere in there. Okay.
1: Cool. Um, okay. Now, so you have six t- sites total. You're actively working on two. You make 65% of it from one main site. And uh, this is my question, actually, now that we went down this, this road, how much time would you say you spend each month on that main site, bringing in roughly 13,000? Bringing in most of my revenue. Um, so,
0: and I actually, I had to look because as we're talking about this, so last month, March of 2019, this is why I like my income reports, by the way, March of 2019, it actually brought in $17,006 and 79 cents. That's one. Um, but if you're asking how much time I spent on that or I spent on that website, it's shameful how little time I spend on it. And I really mean that. Um I spend the least amount of time on that website than I do any of my others, without a doubt. Uh, one thing, one caveat to that, I've recently been going back. We've talked about this. I've recently been going back and revising some articles on that website um, because I felt like some of the articles were low or th- they were um, they were old. They were losing ranking a little bit. So I've revised them to bring them back up. And that works so, so well, by the way, mm-hmm. um, if you're an individual facing that. Like some of these articles were two years old, never touched them. Um, so I've been doing that. But, yeah, that's, that's like – yeah, that's, that's most of it. But, like, the amount of time that I spend, honestly, like, the four-hour work week is a real thing with that website. Like, maybe even less than four hours a week. And I'm not I'm not kidding when I say that. Like, it's actually shocking how low, like, how little. But, like, you know, it's taken me a long time to get there, and I built out a lot of stuff along the way. And I always try to build stuff to where I build it once, it's there, and it's good. I love evergreen content. I don't like having to update all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's how I run my business, and that's worked. So. Okay.
1: And I, I knew you were going to answer that even though we've never talked about it before, but that is kind of how it goes. So, um, you and I are both busy bodies as well, right? So we have good work ethic and we couldn't like, even if we were only spending three or four hours on like our main site, we would still like make up other projects, which we do in other sites and end up wasting 80% of our time on some other bullshit most likely. (laughs) Um, when we could be, you know, doing something fun, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it, you know, it, at the end of the day, and this is the truth, like, um, cause I remember people were asking how I stay, I want to, I want to go back to, to the questions. Cause I remember some of the questions that were listed. Yeah, yeah. Were, how did I stay motivated when I was, um, with an employer and I seriously was working 80, 90 hours a week between all the different things. Cause again, I remember I was, I had a full-time job. I was teaching at two different colleges and I was getting my doctorate at one point while I was doing this don't ever make excuses like that is brutal. That is brutal for anyone. Like I seriously got six hours of sleep a night, but how did I stay motivated? It was really simple at that point when I was at a full-time job, I would have to commute an hour to work every day, commute back an hour. And I would have to deal with a, you know, a boss telling me what I had to do. It just irked me because I was like, you know, I was really into marketing and I knew what I wanted to do. And I really wanted to help people and make a difference. I wasn't doing that at my job. So it was like. That, um, frustration, like when I'd have a bad day at work, it was the best day for my website because I'd go home and I would work so hard for like six hours. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a family or anything either. Like now I'm married, but I don't have kids yet. So that's, that's a benefit. But like I always stuck by the thing of you have to do at least one hour a day of work, always Monday through Sunday, at least one hour a day. And usually you, you find out that on the weekends, you spend more time, but like if you don't have that drive and that passion, like it's going to be hard to succeed. So. When I started, it was that, and then how do I still stay motivated now? Um, it's easy. I, I don't like obviously like the money's great and it's it's like awesome, like it's crazy. Even I never ever ever would have thought that I got to where I, I am right now. But like um, I don't know. I just I like building businesses. Like I I'm confident that if I if I won the lottery tomorrow and won hundred million dollars, yes, I'd travel and give away money, blah blah blah. But when I got done with all that and I came back to reality. I'm confident I would build a website that wasn't focused on monetizing anything and just give people information to help them. That's what I would do because that's just what I enjoy doing. I like growing a business. I like thinking of a business in my head, growing it and then knowing, you know, it gets 150, 200,000 views a month. That's super cool to me. Just, just that right there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but that's how I stay motivated now. It's like money isn't that much of an issue. And I had a crisis when I started to make, I think it was, I think it was 15,000 a month when I was hitting that in revenue. That was a crisis for me. Um, I don't know if you ever had that, Doug, but like for me, that was really tough because it was like I hit my goal and I was like, now I have the money that I was supposed to be happy with. And I had that money and it was like, cool. But I was like, well, now what? You know, like that was like the thing. It was like, now what? I hit my goal. And then I'm like, well, I guess 20000 a month, but who really cares? You know, like it wasn't about the money anymore. So I just I, I just have that drive of building things and I enjoy building bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I don't have a plan for a grand exit or anything. It's just, it's just what That's I like what doing. You do.
1: That's yeah. what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I haven't had exactly the same crisis, but I've had other crises. Yeah. So, uh, like sim- <laughs> yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And, I'm going to go through a couple of the questions from beauty reporters, uh, who sent it in. And I just kept asking questions before, um, I got to hers or his, but how many articles do you publish each month across all your sites? We'll just say, if you have that kind of stack (laughs)
0: across all my sites is a tough one that you're probably looking at across all sites right now, I'd say probably around 50 to 60, Across all
1: websites,
0: all websites, usually like my, my main website, Mm -hmm. the the rule of thumb I had, uh, since like forever has been three every single week. That was like what I did. So about 12 a month, that was like what I did, um, Mm -hmm. and done. And I, you know, I don't know if there's truth to the fact that like Google likes it. If you keep submitting content and your website's active, I don't know if that's true or not. I took it like you know, Google probably wants me to keep updating stuff. So, Hey, I'll just do that. Um, but yeah, like 12 a month there, but like some of the websites, like the website I'm building right now, it's 10 a week, you know? So it right. it just depends on where the website is and it's, in it's life you know, the whole trajectory of it. So,
1: right. And, and I've, I've gone through periods where I publish, um, you know, 60 articles a month for several months and then don't publish anything for like multiple years. Like, yeah. And it's yeah. fine. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, this person also asked about how many words each article. So roughly about a thousand. But if it needs to be longer or shorter, it will be. Is that right?
0: It, it depends. Yeah, it depends on the content. Like to answer a question, 750 to a thousand, I think is pretty reasonable. But if you're writing a review type thing, it could be 2025. It just depends on what the content is and what the user's intent is. Do they need something that's really, really in depth? Really think about it. If you research it, do you need that? So it just depends.
1: Keyword research, how do you approach it? I use a different uh, – a few different
0: strategies. So there's two different things that I do. First off, I will use – have you ever heard of keyword shitter before?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've heard <laughs> of that like one. The, it's
0: like yeah. the best name ever. I think it's hilarious. Uh, but that website, I love it because that usually gets like the Google auto uh, complete like responses into there. Um, so I'll do – I always use like who, what, when, where, why, how. So how do something related to your niche – who does something related to your notes? Like I always do who, what, when, or why, how, and I start with that. And I think in terms of that, and if you just press submit there, you'll get a bunch of ideas. Um, once I have that, I'll then go to, uh, Ahrefs. I always use them. Um, and I'll plug them into there to see the competition. I personally, I, I, you know, they, they base their, their competition strictly off of links, like 100%. They've said that, um, and I don't think that their, their competition metric is all that great. So I'll put it in there, but I'll also put it into long tail pro. Um, or maybe it's platinum now. That's like an old school, uh, keyword tool that like, you know, a lot of people use, but like, I know there's a bunch of them out there. Like keyword.io, I think is one of, them. there's a ton of them out there, but I basically will put them into both. I'll put them in a spreadsheet. And I'll put the results of Ahrefs in one and I'll put the results of Longtail Pro in the other. And I do that because I want to see a scope of both of them next to each other. Because I found sometimes like Ahrefs won't even say, it'll say like, oh, it doesn't even have any search volume. Well, yes, it does. It has 80 a month. And I go for that, by the way, if anyone's wondering, I go for that low stuff. I'm okay with 20 to 30 searches a month on one of those tools because usually 20 to 30 searches a month is actually three or four times that because there's different variations of that question. Um, so yeah, so I do that keyword y- research using those. And then I'll also do when my website is getting authoritative and it's starting to do well, I'll then look at my, my competitors, my poor competitors, and I'll, uh, I'll basically look at what they've done. And if they, if they're doing something that I don't have at that point, and I know that my website's frankly like more authoritative and better than theirs. I'll look at that. I'll look at that article, see what they wrote, write something way better. And then I usually rank above them. So, but that's like a secondary thing. Like in the beginning, I usually will start with, you know, keyword shitter and, and doing it that way. So.
1: Very good. Okay. One more question, um, before we finish up for now. Um, so this is again from beauty, whoever here, uh, what's the number one reason that caused your income to increase so fast? And, and, I looked at it the other day. Um, so I'm gonna generally summarize, but like 2014, you 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 know, showed a loss of fifteen hundred bucks. Um, I think the next year, twenty fifteen, you made like six thousand. Uh the following year, twenty I'm losing track of years, but we'll say twenty seventeen. It's like thirty-four thousand, and then it was seventy thousand, and then it was about a hundred and sixty, something like that. So yep. you're showing like in my opinion, I mean, it's like
0: a hundred percent almost every year. Yeah. Been, yeah. So, so
1: like I see like, those are huge amounts, but I'm also like, well, you put in so much work and yeah. effort yeah. and I know the struggle. I see, I know that trajectory. So I know that that didn't feel fast. Six years, doesn't no. feel fast. <laughs> um. I'll no, let everyone know that even though like those are big year over year um, jumps, especially the 5,000 to the 30, whatever K Yeah, it was the, 30, 34,000. Yeah. I'm looking at my numbers right now. Okay, so, yeah, cool.
0: It went from five fifty eight hundred to 34,000 basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what caused it to increase so fast? The one, if you have to give one thing
0: <laughs> before I give one thing, I will say for anybody reading it or listening to this, it wasn't fast. It was brutally slow 2004. I mean, I worked a total of 16 months, you know, to get, I mean, if you add it all up $3,500, like that's how much I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. Um, but what was it that made it grow exponentially, if you will, from there or, or really grow from there? Um, understanding, that's kind of when my my main website started to get a lot of traction. And then I looked at it and I just talked like, first thing I said in this call is all about like revenue stacking, like like stacking different models to make more money. For me, it was, okay, my website's starting to make it. What else can I do to get more juice out of the lemon? Like what else can I add to my website to make more money? So I added this and then all of a sudden my revenue goes up 300 bucks a month. And then I added this and then it goes up 500. And then I had, you know, like it was just stacking more onto it, looking at, at not just uh, making money through, um, like with Amazon affiliates, not just making money there, but maybe finding other affiliates, maybe creating an info product, uh, maybe creating a physical product, adding, once you have a website that's doing well and has the authority and it's starting to rank and is like pretty solidified as like a decent competitor, try to make it better and then try to add other monetization strategies that stack. And when you do that, that's when the real magic happens. Um, it's that's the I would say that was the biggest thing because my main website still makes the most amount of money. But that main website has also been diversified across so many different channels to make all that money. And it just keeps revenue stacking on itself. So I think that would probably be the biggest thing. And, and I keep making more websites too. I mean yeah. that helps. But but my main one is that's the biggest thing.
1: Yes. And I'll I'll point out one thing I know we can't go in depth really at all, but there are always opportunities. One week ago when you were at, you and I were talking, you told me about a cool new opportunity, another revenue stacking opportunity that you had no clue existed. Yep. Um, in my opinion, that's after
0: like what four years or five years, you know, like that came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. That came out of nowhere. And it's Um, not like you you haven't been looking for stuff, right? No. And
0: like it was, it was something I didn't think of. I got an email from someone and then I thought, Hey, I should probably look into this. And then I come to find out that if I, I'll just make it vague. But if I generate a phone call to a specific thing, um, and this phone call lasts for, I think it's like 90 seconds or 120 seconds. I make $400. That's off of one phone call. Never even thought about it. It wasn't something I thought about. It just kind of happened. And I was, you always have to be, if you have a website that's doing relatively well getting into traffic, you have to always look into new ways to monetize it and things to add on to it, right? That was what just happened. And like I said, that was after four years. And I was totally like, I didn't even know this was a thing, you know? So <laughs> it happens. It just happens. You just always have to keep your eyes open.
1: So, right. Awesome. Well, um, thanks a lot, Ron, really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you?
0: You can find me. I, well, because I don't disclose most of my websites. Uh, the best place to probably find me is just if you go to one spelled out onehourprofessor.com. dot com, um, you can always find me there, get a hold of me there. And my income reports, you know, I have abbreviations for all my websites, but you can follow along every month. You should be able to understand kind of what I've been doing. And I always include like lessons learned. Things to avoid, like you'll see, and you'll see there are certain months that income dips. I talk about what that was, and I always, always document everything. So, yeah, onehourprofessor.com.
1: If you're new to the Doug Show, welcome. I'm really glad to have you, and I encourage you to subscribe to this episode. Actually, subscribe to the whole show so that you can get the next episode. And I think if you liked what you heard from Ron in our conversation today, you'll probably like a lot of the other episodes. There are several success stories. People have uh, different approaches, and I encourage you to have a listen. If you have a question or a show topic that you want me to cover, then you could send me an email, feedback at show. I read all of those emails, and I put them into a... Uh, like a label in Gmail, and then I can go back to them. And and when I need ideas, I can do a whole show topic on that. And if you're really bold, if you have like a beautiful speaking voice, if you want to be on the air, you can send me a voicemail. I have this uh, Google voice number set up so it doesn't like ring my phone. It just goes to the cloud or whatever. And uh, basically you, you can call in and leave a message. 90 seconds is the sweet spot. I don't know the phone number. It's in the show notes, but you could check like just about any of the episodes out there. It should be in all of them. And you could call in. Highly encourage you to like write out what you think you want to ask. Uh, get a stopwatch. You can get like an old school stopwatch that you like wear around your neck or you could use your phone or anything that gives you the ability to time 90 seconds. You want the, you want the question to be about 90 seconds. Three minutes is the cutoff. Um, I've had a few people that started talking and then they're like chatty Cathy's and they're like going on and on and on. And then, uh, they end up getting cut off at the end and they call back in. They're like, Hey, Doug, sorry. I uh, got cut off before and, um, really apologize about that. And, you know, I should have written it down like you told me to. And then boop. they get cut off again and then I have to call back. They send me a few voicemails. It's a whole, it's a whole situation Then I have to edit stuff. And yeah, don't do that. Right. Write it out. Think about what you want to say. Time yourself, read it, try to read it naturally. You could throw in some natural uh, cadence in there. You can throw in a few filler words just to make it sound extra supernatural um, or, or very natural, not supernatural like ghosts, but natural speaking. So 90 seconds is the sweet spot. I could turn a very simple thing into a very long statement that lasts a few minutes long. And with that said, I want you to have a great day out there. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks a lot to Ron. Be sure to check out his YouTube channel, subscribe and all that stuff. All right. Have a great day.